Young adults, welcome back. It's great to be with you wherever you're tuning in from tonight. Real quick, do you remember way back when the yellow Livestrong bracelets were super popular? Or when those silly band bracelets took over and everyone's wrists all the way up to their elbows were filled with them? Okay, think back even further. Remember when the Razer cell phone came out and everyone who owned one was instantly cool. I had the pink one. Well, where did all those go? It's now 2021 and I don't know about you, but I have not seen anyone sporting a yellow Livestrong bracelet, a silly band bracelet, thank God, or whipping out a Razer cell phone, have you? Probably not. Let's face it, things come and things go. Trends surface and spike today and then tomorrow they're out just as quickly as they came in. And same goes for lingo. I mean, have you ever even tried having a conversation with a middle schooler? Everything I know seems to just be outdated, in with the new and out with the old. Same thing could be said about our romantic relationships, but we'll get there in a second. Lingo, fashion fads, culture trends, they become outdated and that's one thing. But what happens when the same trendy culture begins to tell us that the things of God are outdated too? See, the truth of the matter is this, God's word, it will never be outdated. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Isaiah 48. This scripture tells us that God's word keeps its place of relevance in our lives. And yet the difficult thing that we as young adults are faced with in this culture that we live in today, it's the pressure to follow our feelings. One of the biggest things that Hollywood and entertainment culture tries to influence us on is how we should view our romantic relationships. Culture says have sex whenever with whoever. Culture says hook up and have fun. Culture says if it feels good, you should do it. So is it outdated to believe that God has a different opinion about it? Is dating or marriage outdated or is it still a thing? See, for the next few minutes, I want to talk to talk through three truths that will help you thrive in every relationship. Whether you're single, you're dating, or you're married, these truths will never become outdated. The first truth is this. Are you ready? Write it down. Your body isn't bait. Your body isn't bait. It belongs to God. This sounds odd to say at first and low-key kind of harsh, but the truth of the matter is that our bodies are not bait for others to hook, line, and sink. They belong to God. Anyone like to go fishing? If, if you like to go fishing, throw a fish emoji in the chat. We all know what bait is used for. Even if you've never gone fishing a day in your life, you probably know that fishermen use bait to attract fish to bite the hook. The bait is used to pull in and attract the fish to latch on and to be caught. I'm afraid that many of us have fallen into viewing our bodies like fishermen view bait, a lure to get anything to take a bite. Wanna know why our bodies were not meant to serve as bait? Because our bodies belong to God and He doesn't let what's valuable to Him dangle for everyone to experience. It might feel outdated to believe that your body belongs to God before it belongs to you, but it's the truth. Your body is not bait. 
If you're a Christian, your body is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to those struggling to understand this at the church in Corinth. He says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You see, friends, our bodies, they were never meant to be used as bait for people to bite. It was always meant to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit of God. We are a temple for the presence of God to dwell in. And God calls us to live and pursue holiness in every area of our life. So no matter what stage of life you're in, single, dating, married, we have got to pursue holiness. Why? Because our bodies, they were never meant to be used as bait, but as a holy temple for the Spirit of God to dwell. Truth number two. Part of living a set-apart and holy life means choosing to live a life that is pure before God. But here's the thing. When it comes to our sexual purity, we don't accidentally live a holy life. It takes upkeep. The truth is our purity deserves protection. It deserves protection. Let me ask you a question. If tonight, while you're tuning into service, someone knocked on your door, leaving a box with gold and diamonds in it. Would you just leave it outside the door and wait until the next morning to bring it in? I doubt it. I'm guessing you would immediately get up and put it in the safest place possible. Why? Because we don't guard and keep safe things that don't matter. We guard and keep safe things that are valuable. It's the same reason you and I lock our doors at night when we go to sleep, or we lock our cars when we get out of them. We protect things that are important to us. You see, our purity is valuable and therefore deserves our protection. But let's be real for a second. Conversations around purity and sex, they can feel kind of awkward and yet oddly intriguing at the same time. <laughs> But far too often, we allow the world to teach us and inform us rather than turning to the heart of God and His wisdom on how to navigate these very real and very important questions. The truth of the matter is that how we steward our purity, it does matter to God. There are real consequences and real effects to living impure lives before Him. See, that's why God has given us guardrails for godly living and, and, and decision-making in his word. Think about it like this. No one would ever put a fence around a bunch of weeds and no one puts dirt in a safe. You put fences around a garden and you place diamonds and valuables in a safe. We put guardrails around things that are important to us. See, culture doesn't get the final say on this. It might feel outdated that your actions and your intentions matter to God, but they really do. It's not outdated. He wants to be involved in how you live your day-to-day -day because he loves you and he cares about you. Maybe you find yourself in a spot where you just don't know what it looks like to protect your purity. Maybe you're tuning in and you're wondering if, if you can lose your purity. Maybe you feel like you've crossed lines you wish you never have and, and you're wondering if it's too late for you. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late. 
And purity, it's, it's not about the past, it's about the present. It's about the future. Purity is not something that is lost, but it's something that can be neglected and damaged. But God renews. God restores and God redeems. Hear this though. Purity, it's more than just not having sex before or outside of marriage. Purity is about safeguarding yourself, safeguarding your mind and your heart and your emotions and your body from that which we know isn't good for us, from that which God knows is not good and is not right for us. See, we want to be people who have pure hearts and pure desires, pure thoughts and pure intentions, people who act purely with our bodies too. So wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of this purity conversation, here are a few practical questions that will help you keep protecting your purity. So whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're married, grab a pen and paper and jot these questions down to consider. You ready for it? First one is this. What kind of thoughts am I choosing to dwell on? What kind of thoughts am I choosing to dwell on? You see, fantasy and wandering thoughts can often be the enemy of purity. Question two, what kind of things am I choosing to look at? You see, images, they're not just images, they're people. Question number three, what kind of content am I allowing myself to consume or to listen to? See, what you take in, you will let out. What you allow in will stick with you and stay in you. Question number four, what kind of words am I choosing to say? Do you know the word love is not just another word? We've got to be careful with it. And question number five, what kind of actions am I committing? God cares about what we do. He doesn't just care about what we think. He cares about what we do. See, guys, protecting your purity, it means overcoming temptation when it comes your way. Jesus says this. He says, temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. So if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. That's intense, okay? Jesus is not literally saying to cut off your hand or cut off your foot if it causes you to sin, but what he's getting at is that you and I must be aggressive and attentive to the temptations that will fall to you. And we've gotta set up practical guardrails and solutions to deal with it properly. You see, God cares about the condition of your heart. And he wants you to succeed in this area of living a pure life, but it requires intentionality on our end. So to protect your purity, we've gotta be intentional about it. God's word tells us that God will always give us a way out of our temptation. So let's place some boundaries and some guardrails around us so we can be strong and ready to overcome when temptation comes our way. Truth number three, remember this, your cravings won't complete you. Your cravings, they won't complete you. Your wholeness comes from God alone. See, at the end of the day, your cravings are never gonna satisfy you. Your wholeness only comes from God. Our desire for relationships and sex and pleasure, you name it, 
It's never gonna bring ongoing and lasting fulfillment. Jesus is the only one who can fill the void and the empty space in our soul with satisfaction and purpose and love. See, no sexual desire will ever bring the satisfaction that only God alone can bring to your soul. And this is a powerful truth for us to remember. Soul satisfaction, it only comes from God, plain and simple. And it might feel outdated to believe that a relationship won't complete you. It might feel outdated or cliche that your identity and wholeness is found in Jesus alone, but actually, this isn't outdated. This is revolutionary for our lives. Your identity is not found in a relationship with anyone else. It is found, it's not found in, in a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but it's found in a right relationship with the God who made you. For some of us, we crave a relationship so bad. Our, our deepest desire is to have a significant other love us. And we go searching in all different places and spaces to find them. For some of us, we crave attention and affection, and we find ourselves down a road we never intended to walk down, or, or places we never dreamed of going because we were following our cravings. See, we all have cravings or feelings and desires, but our feelings are not good leaders. The truth is, our craving to love and be loved, it's not wrong. In fact, God has placed that desire in us. But this craving, it cannot be satisfied apart from a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here tonight and you've searched everywhere to satisfy your soul and to fulfill your desires, but you just keep coming up short. See, apart from Jesus, we can't find wholeness. We can't find true satisfaction in our soul. But tonight, you can trust in Jesus and you can experience the wholeness and the healing that He has to offer you. So if that's you, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me, a prayer that's going to give over your deepest desires to Jesus so He can fill the void that you have been chasing to fill. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins and making me new from the inside out. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, you just made the best decision of your life. But we're not done with this conversation because if we're honest, this conversation only scratches the surface of all that needs to be talked about in regards to living a pure life and, and navigating all seasons of relationships in a way that honors God. So to continue this conversation, I got together with a few of my friends to dig a little bit deeper and talk about how we can practically live this out. Go ahead and check out this conversation. God's design and plan for our sexuality has not changed. It's not outdated. See, God cares about the decisions we make. More than that, He cares about how we navigate singleness and dating and marriage. See, the principles and truths of Scripture will never become outdated. 
Therefore, what God has to say about romantic and sexual relationships will never change or go out of relevance. Not only does the spoken word of God stand forever, it's alive and it's active. The writer of Hebrew puts it this way, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It's alive and active. That hits us differently. So here's the deal. If we want to commit our lives to following Jesus, his opinion on how we conduct and carry our lives will never change. His word must triumph over our feelings and our thoughts and our opinions about relationships and how we care for ourselves. But I want to spend a few minutes with some of my friends. We've got Leslie, Ricky, and Erica talking through how this practically plays out in our lives. So we spent some time talking through this message. And the first point of the message was that your body is not bait. Your body's not bait. And the truth is, this is a declaration. This is a core belief that helps us filter how we live and pursue a holy life. But it's not the only one. I know you guys have some core beliefs, some guiding principles that help you filter how you pursue holiness in your life. So I'd love to hear from you guys on, on what that looks like for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, we're told our body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. And I think of it kind of like hosting people at my house. You know, when I have people over, um, I'm going to clean my house up a little bit. I'm going to prepare a place. I'm going to cook some really good food. Hello. And uh, I'm going to make some space for a conversation with people. And I think you know, inviting the Holy Spirit into my life every day is just like that. I have to create the space. I have to make a quiet time where I'm like, God, you're my priority and you're it. I have to feed myself with the word of God, with the right things, with worship music, with what I'm listening to, curating what I'm taking into myself. Um, And then also creating a space for conversation saying, hey, this time is uninterrupted and I'm going to make this space. But I think the big thing is it it takes intentionality Mm -hmm. and we live in a culture where there's so many things being fed to us all the time. Like my, I'm being told that my body needs to be a tool to get what I want. It's being sold to me in commercials. It's being sold to me in ads. Being sold to me in the music I listen to, the movies I watch. And um, it takes intentionality to say, hey, actually the kingdom of God is a little bit opposite of that. Not even a little bit, the complete opposite of that. And it takes, you know, creating that space for the Holy Spirit to dwell in me on a daily basis to be able to counteract what culture is telling me is the norm. Um, I think that's how I live that out. So true. It's so true. I love that. That like your guiding principle is that you you need to be a, a holy, pure space for God to dwell, right? And and that takes work, takes some space. I love that. Ricky, what do you, what would you say? Yeah, I want to add on to that idea. Well, not just an idea. It's in scripture. The, the, the reality that our, when we become Christians, our bodies become a temple of the yeah. Holy Spirit. The, mm-hmm. the Bible literally talks about how the, the Spirit indwells us whenever we become Christians. And I think it's really powerful because what that tells me is that my body doesn't belong to me anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's not just mine, but but there is a resident in in my body. And and to speak kind of like to the marriage aspect of this, because of course I'm an an expert at marriage and <laughs> uh, being married for so long. Uh, but it, it, when you get married, it's it's even more so. Like you take an, an even further step in in the reality that your body isn't your own. It doesn't just matter to you anymore. It matters to your spouse, and it matters to the Holy Spirit. 
And I think about, <laughs> this is kind of a funny, funny way to talk about this, but I grew up with uh, a lot of different cars and I loved cars growing up. In high school, I think I had probably 11 different vehicles and most of them, because I would just buy them and sell them, buy them and sell them. Most of them were just crap. They were terrible oh, cars. No. They, were, they were horrible. Um, like didn't and, turn on. Like just, I remember, be, this is just as an aside, a funny story. I was on a date one time and, uh, and my car, we were driving and it just died in the, in, in the middle of the road. And, Yikes. and that awesome. was probably one of the more embarrassing things. So, but I've had a ton of these cars like that. And whenever I had a cheap car, like, and it was mine, I didn't care. I just drove it however I wanted to drive it. It's a, it's whatever. I knew that the wheels were going to fall off. I knew it was probably going to die in the middle of the road. It was, <laughs> it, it is whatever it is. Um, uh, however, uh, just a few weeks ago, and, and this doesn't happen to me all the time. This literally was the only time this had ever happened to me. It was so cool. A friend of mine let me drive his Ferrari, and and it was an incredible it, for car people. That's like such a cool experience. And so I got to drive this car around, and I remember driving this thing like so carefully and so je- with with such like a gentle nature of driving a car that I in my mind was thinking this car is worth as much as my house. This literally is, I'm driving around in something that if I crash, I will have to sell my house to fix this thing. Oh, yes. And and so- No pressure. Yeah, <laughs> nope, and, and, but it was a lot of fun. But but it, what, what it made me think about is that when when you drive around in something that isn't yours, whenever, and, and also when that thing is extremely valuable, like, like the scripture talks about your body, your body isn't just, it's not just a place where the spirit is. Right. It doesn't say it's a house where the spirit is, or it's a, it, the Bible has words for stuff like that. No, no, the, what, the word that the Bible uses is that it is a temple. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is an incredibly precious place that has a purpose, mm-hmm. and it doesn't belong to you anymore. And, and so what that tells me is, is that I need to be treating my body in the decisions that I make, not just in the decisions that I make, but in the thoughts that I have, in my attitudes, in the way that I, in my attitude, in the way that I speak, needs to be reflective of the reality that I understand that my body okay. doesn't belong to me, right. and not only does it not belong to me, but it is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. it's powerful. That's, it's, that's super powerful, and I love that. Like these are the core beliefs that guide us to how we filter through life and, and decision making and relationships, whether we're single, dating, married, wherever you're at. But the truth is, like when rubber hits the road. We've got to have some intentionality behind this. And we've got to have a plan to, to live a, a holy life, to pursue holiness. And, and I think that takes some practicality, right? It takes some deciding now before temptation hits to have a plan, to have boundaries and guardrails. Like we said, you don't put fences around weeds. You put it around gardens. And if we're pursuing holiness, we need to put some fences around what that looks like. So I'd love to know from you guys, what are some boundaries you've placed in your life to pursue holy living? What does that look like for you, Leslie? Yeah, for me, um, it's accountability. It's having a mentor, someone that I can trust, with the things that I'm struggling with, yeah. um, someone that won't gossip or won't take what I share outside of that room, who will encourage me, will give me godly wisdom and sound advice. That's great. Um, another thing is just not putting myself in sticky situations, avoiding those sticky yeah. situations. If I'm on a diet, I'm not going to go to McDonald's. <laughs> you know, I'm going to avoid word. McDonald's, <laughs> probably go to Chick-fil-A. It's a little bit better. <laughs> Debatable. Um, yeah, yeah, but it feels better. <laughs> Exactly. Or if I'm saving, I'm going to try not to go to the mall. I'm going to do what I can to avoid those sticky situations. That's great. Yeah. I think the question I ask myself um, is if I were to die right this second, (laughs) and that's a little morbid, 
back at it with the morbid. <laughs> but uh, if I were to die right now, would I want that to be the last memory someone had of me in my life. And I think it really gets back to legacy. It's like, if I were to die right now, would my legacy of my life be undone by the one action I'm doing right now? And so I think... It keeps in mind for me yeah. the ripple effect of my actions. You know, it's not just uh, when I make a selfish choice, my selfish choices impact the people around me, the world around me, the people that are depending on me, the people in my life that care about me and love me. And I have accountability in my life. I have a, a friend or two that says like, hey, anytime, day or night, if you need something, you call me. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And honestly, for me, the first thing to go is my phone. I, you know, I've had a uphill mental health journey in the past and you know, your phone, this thing is an amazing tool, but just like anything, too much of a too much of something turns into a bad thing. Right. And so that's the first thing to go for me. It's like one, I know who I can call, and two, I know what I need to get rid yeah. of. It's yeah. usually my phone, social media, and having access to anything. It just needs to go right away. That's great. So Wow. That's really strong. I think I think that's such a crucial thing to talk about. It's just like the real question is a lot of us want to want to live a holy life and we want to pursue holiness. But the question is, how bad do you want it, right? How bad do you actually want it? Because if, if you really want it bad, like, like the scripture says, like cut off your hand and your foot, don't do that. But like throw your phone out the window, right? Yeah. Like if your phone is causing you to struggle, put it in the other room, right? If, right. You're, if your friend is causing you to, to, to face temptation or, or to, to be weak, you know, don't hang out with them, right? How bad do you want it? Those boundaries and those guardrails are not to keep us back from experiencing a full life. They're actually to protect us and to cause us to be able to experience a full life, right? Like God doesn't limit us. He actually, he actually frees us from experiencing pain and things that we just don't have to experience if we walk within the boundaries and guardrails that God has for our life. And so we got to get practical. We got to decide what those things are because scripture is for real. Like you are going to face temptation, but what you decide now before you face temptation will help you be strong in the moments that is going to be, it's going to be hard. You're going to be, feel weak. And so make a plan, right? Make a plan to decide what those boundaries are for your life. Guardrails, whether you're single, dating, married, you need them. We all need them. So what, what will those be? And the last point we talked about was that your cravings won't complete you. And the truth is we all have cravings, right? For lack of a better word, (laughs) just desires and, and feelings that often lead us down the wrong path. And so I'd love for you guys to speak to that. Yeah, like Chris had talked about earlier, these cravings and these temptations that you may feel, they're not foreign to God. He knows about them. They're no surprise to Him, but you don't have to act on them. In the same way that a mom protects her child from getting hurt or running into the street is the same way that God wants to protect you. He knows what's best for you. He sees what you can't see. And so it's important to not act on every single temptation or desire that you may feel. It's great. It's powerful. Yeah, I feel like almost that when, whenever a craving comes, it almost becomes like a fork in the road. It's like, am I going to choose to not fulfill this craving, even though it feels good in the moment yeah. or whatever? Yeah. And I also know that Satan waits right on the edge of every yeah. craving you have mm-hmm. to be able to tempt you and say, oh, like, but this will make you feel great right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that um, through time and experience, I've learned, you know, fulfillment actually comes through relationship with God and not with another person. And that sounds like the, I, it even pains me to say, because it sounds like the bucket, like Christian answer, but uh, personal story, I got into my first relationship all my life, 
all I wanted to do was date someone. I wanted to be in a relationship with someone. And as a teenager, all my friends in high school were dating and I never dated anyone. Got through college, didn't date anyone. And I actually resented God for like not letting me date, not letting me date anybody, <laughs> you know? And um, I remember I got my first relationship and it was like every, he was like everything to me. And it almost became like my altar of worship for where I got my worth and my value mm -hmm. from. And when we broke up, it, I was for like a year and a half. And honestly, to this day, just because of some of the, like the repercussions of that whole situation, I still am wrestling through, you know, the messiness of that relationship and me having that alter in my life. And so if I could go back and change it, I, I mean, in theory, I wouldn't because I learned a lot from it, revealed a lot about me I needed to work on. But I, there are some days I'm like, man, I wish I could go back and just undo all of that and just wait for the right time when I was in a healthy space. And it almost took that to make me realize like this stuff isn't light stuff. Like, and I feel like like culture, meat, everything just sensationalizes everything to feel right. so light. And oh, it's just like another thing. It's just a fling. It's just a hookup. It's just, yeah. it's just that. And, and really it is soul deep. It is not yeah. like that. And so I've had to learn the hard way that my cravings won't complete me and fulfilling a craving won't complete me. If that's physical, yeah. if that's in relationship, if that's finding worth from something. Um, um, but it really does come from fulfillment and knowing who God is, who God says mm -hmm. I am, who he's purposed me to be. And even though something temporary will give me a satisfaction in a moment, like a, a, the kingdom of God offers me lasting satisfaction beyond a day. And so it's choosing in those weak moments where you're at that fork in the road. Yeah. And you can say, I can choose a legacy that's going to bring me eternal satisfaction, like a lifetime of satisfaction and beyond my life. Right. Or I'm going to choose a really temporary thing that will feel great right now, and I'll be able to tell my friends about it, or I'll yeah. fit the status quo. But it's going to leave me with a road of heartbreak and having to go an uphill battle to repair all of the things. And God will redeem it because that's what he does. Yeah. But why even, why, is, it, is it worth it? Is it worth going that road when you have one? that is really the, yeah. the option that offers you something lasting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the beautiful thing, of course, is that the grace of God extends, God extends his hand and, and picks us out every single time. And, yeah. and the love of God covers our sins and, and forgives us. And, and uh, like our purity isn't about, it, it, our purity is not, we don't just lose our purity. And, and growing up, going to church, even going to purity conferences, and there was this phrase, you thing. lose your purity. Like, yeah, like this losing your purity over and over again was something that you heard as though, like, once it's gone, it's gone. But no, mm -hmm. like, purity is far more about your stand, your, your, the way that God sees you in light of what his son has yeah. done for you and your, right. your, how, how you relate with him. And, and so, uh, I don't even know if I was going to say all of that, but I just felt the need to say all that. And, and, and I think about, one of the things I think for Christians, a craving that we have because we think it's going to solve everything is marriage. Now, of course, like culture says marriage is completely irrelevant yeah. and especially outdated. <laughs> outdated the way that Christians think about it. But I, I've seen so often in Christian circles, and maybe we've got some Christians who are watching this, you're engaged or you're dating and you're thinking to yourself, when I get married, all of these problems cease. And, and what you're actually doing is you're making an idol out of marriage. Right, yeah. You're saying marriage is going to complete me. Marriage is going to solve my problems. Marriage is going to fulfill me. Uh, but what you need to understand is the day after you get married, you're going to wake up the same person yeah. with the same problems, wow. with the same sin, with, uh, with the same enemy crouching at your door. And so you, you need to, as culture gets marriage wrong, sometimes 
we as Christians get marriage wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what we instead need to do is think of it rightly and, and actually see that sin does not care about your marital status. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, That's good. And just to add yeah. to that, any good thing taken out of context is bad. You know, too much candy, candy's good, but too <laughs> yeah. much candy is yeah. bad for you. And marriage is a beautiful thing, but taken out of context and made an idol out of is bad. Yeah. So right. I think that's a great point. Yeah, and I think I think being being married is awesome. Like I, I love that there is someone who shares my vision for life and uh, I share hers and we champion each other. And also she thinks I'm awesome, which is really cool because not many people think that. So but she, she thinks I'm awesome. And so that's, that's really great. Uh, Happy but, for you. But marriage, uh, it can't be seen as this idol in our life. In fact, we look at marriage as this beautiful representation of the gospel and that mm-hmm. in fact, our, our, our responsibility increases. The the burdens of life increase. Marriage uh, uh, marriage doesn't mean that life is twice as easy. It just means that you've got someone to go through it with. There's a really cool quote that I'm, I'm blanking on right now that I wish I had, but uh, but it's 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 sweet to be married. But don't let it be an idol, Christians. This has been a really powerful conversation and so much wisdom from you guys. And I think if if we're being real, this conversation just scratches the surface yeah. of all of the questions and all of the the realities that we face every day as young adults. And, um, and I think this is a great start to the conversation, but there's a lot more that needs to be talked about. And, and I just want you to know that we may have not answered all your questions around relationships and sex and love and, and, and really the truths of, of all the things that culture is saying is outdated, that God has said is, is for you and right for you. And so um, this is week one of lots of conversations around relationships. So keep tuning in, keep leaning in, find those accountability partners, the friends in your life that are going to hold your arms and lift you up and help build these boundaries and guardrails in your life, not because God wants something from you. Like Leslie said, God has this for you. This is actually for your freedom and enjoyment, for a life that is abundant and, and overflowing, this John 10, 10 life that God has for you. And so I hope that you've been encouraged by this conversation. And, and like Ricky said, if, 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 you're, if you're wrestling with some of the things from your past, we just want you to know that we serve a God that is a God of redemption. He's a God of love and grace and mercy. And, and there is more for you. And today is a new day. And tomorrow will be a new tomorrow for you to step into all that God has for you. And so I'd love, Pastor Ricky, if you would pray for our group here. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's been great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, let's pray together. God, we just come before you, and and first and foremost, we just say thank you uh, because you are good. Um, while the enemy is is always on the prowl, looking for someone to destroy, Lord, your grace and your love is stronger. And so, God, I pray that uh, us here today and those listening, uh, Lord, would lean into your grace and your love in all of their relationships and and know. That, that you are there and that you want beautiful things for them in their relationships. Uh, and so God, I pray that you would give uh, wisdom and strength to those who are dating uh, uh, and to those uh, who are considering what is next for their relationships, God. Would you help them to remain strong uh, and to make the right decisions? Uh, and God, help them to enjoy the season they're in. God, I pray for those who are single today, um, who uh, maybe 
aren't in the, who aren't in that position of, of thinking about another person or maybe hoping for another person in their life, Lord, I pray that you would help them to see that your love for them is not dependent upon uh, if they have someone in their life or not. Lord, Lord your, your calling for them also is not dependent upon their marital status or their relationship status. Lord, they, are, they can do incredible things uh, on their own as, as the Apostle Paul frequently talked about. And God, I pray for those young adults who are married and maybe in the, their first few years of marriage, Lord, that you would uh, do for them what you've, what you've done for me and my wife, that you would strengthen their marriage and help them to get through hard times and help them to see that, God, uh, your design for marriage is that it is uh, a selfless representation of your love, that one another, you, you lay down your life and you serve one another. And, and God, I pray that we look at, in, in all of our relationships and would model them after you. Uh, model them after your love, your grace, your service. God, we thank you. Thank you for this time. And I just pray that, Lord, you would continue uh, to do an amazing work in our young adults. Uh, we love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.